Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello, 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 and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting, and I'm excited. We are, I cannot believe we have dedicated 13 weeks to our theme of healing, health, and wellness, and we are on our last three weeks, but they are going to be powerful ones, but I have thoroughly been enjoying every single conversation, and this conversation will absolutely connect and just be as rewarding. And first of all, before I get started, I want to send a shout out to my sister friend, Sandra Coates, who is our connected relationship. Yes, we so appreciate the relationships that we have made with um, United and True. Sandra was on our show, actually our very first season. Sandra was with us and... um, it is she was she's one of my sister friends that literally we were connected through a colleague and just automatically click like like oh we're oh we're gonna be friends forever. Yeah. And then yeah, she Sandra's introduced like me. Like yes. <laughs> and then she introduced me to this young man legend. And so I want to tell you a little bit about him because I know once we get started talking, you will also understand why I'm so excited that he is a part of this theme of healing, health, and wellness. So Legend is a rapper, speaker, and advocate who focuses on reconciliation and life change. Legend's first name is Nigel, and it's spelled backwards because God turned his life around. That drive has taken him to perform and speak to schools, prisons, conferences, colleges, and churches in the U.S., Kenya, South Africa, and the U.K. Legend has released several projects and singles over the years to a growing fan base, including Rooftop Profits EP 2022 in all 2021 and stop 2022. And I believe he's going to tell us about a new new music that has dropped sync suit very recently. And Legend is currently working on a documentary film as well. Legend is also the co-founder of The Safe House Project, an anti-human trafficking organization making national strides towards eradicating trafficking in America by 2030. This has been a project of passion to protect the fatherless and the vulnerable. And as we go into this conversation, unpacking God's truth that anything can be turned around through his grace and through our faith. And it's just such a natural connection to talk about turning around and embracing a flip side after the adversity. So welcome to the show, Legend. Hey, thanks, Dr. Jackson. Appreciate you. (laughs) Appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, yes. So, you know, 
I, I want to, there's so much that I want us to talk about. I actually want to jump right into um, the concept that is the foundation of the show. You have a flip side story that involves forgiveness. Can you tell us about your journey through fatherlessness and how forgiveness has played such a huge role in that journey as well as your life now? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, So my story is I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. My mom and dad had been married for about 10 years and my dad was a, a news reporter on the news and uh obviously news reporter on the news you know you know what I mean yes. and uh <laughs> right after I was right after I was born uh it, both of his parents passed in a in a close manner to each other and his first son was there and he just started to lean on alcohol and became an alcoholic uh, and started to use some things became a drug addict and by the time I'm five after three failed rehab attempts my mother had to decide do I save my marriage or do I save my son and uh mm-hmm. she chose me and she yeah. moved back to Virginia Beach, which is where I reside and all of my immediate family was. My dad went back to D.C. and save one visit to his godmother's house on neutral ground for my mom to try to let me see him. Except and that went very badly because he was unhealthy. We I didn't see him again for 15 years. Uh, and you grow up, you know, feeling rejected, uh, especially after he does finally get through on a call around 11 or 12 and. I'm going to pick you up on this day and we're going to make up for lost time. And you wait by the, by the door with your bags packed and he never shows. Um, so you get angry, you get bitter. Uh, you try to find ways to mask the pain. Um, and, uh, and so at 20, I get a letter from him and, and he says, I need to come see you and I need to apologize for missing your life. So he comes down to Virginia beach. We meet at a restaurant called Mahi's still there. And, and we have dinner and we have a good time. And we laugh and we joke and all of that. And at the end of dinner, he he uh, he stands up and says, "Would you would you forgive me?" And he tries to get a hug. And and in that moment, all the anger comes back. Mm-hmm. And I uh, push him, "Don't touch me, bro. I'll never forgive you for what you did to me." Yeah. And now I get to enjoy the fact that you want me, and I get to reject you. Wow, uh, yeah. So I sent him back to D.C. with that. He would call. I would cuss him out and just kind of enjoy the moment. Um, left the church by this point with my teens. Didn't care about Jesus. None of this stuff. Um, six months later, uh, I've dropped out of college at this point. I'm selling insurance. And and a lady comes into my office about six months later. Says, hey, if, if you just don't know what's going on, but if you don't get that bitterness out of your life, you'll never make it in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. <laughs> just walks. Wow. Super rude. I'm in the middle. It's Tuesday. Wow. I gotta get some money. That's rude. Don't come in and talk. On, assi- on assignment. Just, like on yeah. assignment. On assignment. Intimate God is like, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna interrupt. Just gonna interrupt. screw my whole day up, man. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to make some money, go mm-hmm. out to lunch. Like, what are you doing out here? Mm-hmm. And uh so so three months later, uh I'm again not with the Lord at the time, but I recognize he's chasing me down. I call my father and I say, Hey man, listen, I'm gonna let it go. We good. Let's figure this out. Like, I forgive you. I love you. I want to know what it's like to know you. I want to know what it's like to know my dad. And it's almost like you could feel the chains fall off of this man's shoulders over the phone. It's like it was, it was palpable stick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he's got this moment of just, thank you, son, so much. Yeah. Hey, let, let me get a hotel room. I'll come see you. I just, I just need to, I want to see you. And I'm like, ah, slow up, bro. You're doing too much. Like, mm-hmm. we're good, but I need some time. But I do love you and I do forgive you. Like, let's figure it out. 
click, right? Um, so I forgave my father. However, I didn't know that would be the last time we spoke. Wow. Yeah, wow. Right after that phone call, he passed away. We never wow. talked. Last conversation with my dad in this life is literally, I forgive you. And, and for me, I'm stuck with this weird question of, okay, all right. There must not be a God because this is too random and very weird. Like, there's no plan in this. Like, why does this happen? Um, you know, why I come back just to leave again, right? Uh, wouldn't it be better if you stayed away? Or there is a God and he's mean. Because mm. why would you bring him back just to do that? What type of, you know, sick games are you playing? What strings are you pulling? Mm -hmm. Or there is a God. And he really, really cares about forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. And somewhere along the line, with the rest of my life falling apart, a bunch of other things were going on, too. Um, questioning the meaning of life and looking at what I'd done and in my hurt, how I'd hurt other people. And uh, just realizing, man, I needed to forgive my God, but I need I'm my dad, but I need God to forgive me. And I ended up coming to Christ. Uh, no sermon, no message, no song, no nothing, just... Jesus, if you are who grandma said you are, I need, I, I give up. And I was like, if you're you, I'll follow you for the rest of my days. And my life changed. And I became a completely different person in that basement. I ain't been the same since. Mm. And so I've spent the rest of my life to this point and beyond will spend the rest of my life talking about the forgiveness and reconciliation of God and his ability to turn all things around. And so, yes. when I'm, yeah, so that's, that's me. Th there is so much wrapped up in this snippet of the story you say, that's me. Um, and it's interesting that you had those three questions because I too have been on a journey of forgiveness. Um, in a couple of weeks ago, I actually asked a group of women who are in my sister circle um, to really actually unpack for them, how forgiveness actually has led to their healing story. Mm. And when the moment you said that God sent someone on assignment to interrupt, to like literally disrupt yeah. where you were because he saw you and to give the gift of a release for your father but also, I didn't want to skip over the fact that how when we have bitterness in our own soul, how it actually seeps out into other aspects of our life, our job, our work, our passion, our ability to That's see, right. clogging up creativity, all of that. So I know forgiveness is a huge barrier for many people, yeah. and especially coming out of the three hardest years of our global experience, people yeah. really struggled in relationships and hardships. What, how would you say, or what strategies, tools would you say um, were effective in you continuing on that journey of release, if, even after your father mm -hmm. was physically gone, um, what are some strategies to stay in a healthy place that you've begun to introduce and implement? Yeah, thank you. Great, great question. Uh, my mentor, Dr. Jack Gaines, who was, he passed away March 2020, not due to COVID, just old age. 
uh, he 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 had every right to be bitter because of what he'd been through in life. But he he I never seen anybody fight harder for forgiveness and reconciliation. And he said that you have to live in a reconciled paradigm. Uh, you have to mm-hmm. constantly be walking in a space of reconciliation for your life towards others and receiving it from others, uh, no matter how imperfect it is in our human experience. The reason he felt that way uh, was because, you know, he was the second black pitcher signed to the Boston Red Sox on a major league roster shortly after the Jackie Robinson era and dealing with all the things black athletes dealt with. Mm-hmm. He was raised by a dad that didn't raise him to hate back or to hate white people. Um, and actually raised him in a bubble to protect him, but it ended up hurting him when he got into the real world because he couldn't understand why these people hated him. Um, and so when he's pitching and striking out these white boys and there's a mob waiting to kill him, he just he didn't know why. And when they're shouting nigger from the stands, he was like, why do they hate me? They're all, they're supposed to be for the Red Sox, mm-hmm. but they hate me. I'm on the team. Uh, so he just he had every right to be a bitter old man and you have to give him a pass. And I've never met anybody that loved everybody more than this guy and fought for that. And he had this position of you have to walk in a reconciled paradigm. So to answer your question, um, the way I interpret that is I have to constantly look at forgiveness in a very mystical and a practical sense. Uh, practically, forgiveness is debt. Right. Uh, and our unforgiveness is debt. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, John mm-hmm. Piper says uh, forgiveness is the release of a perceived debt owed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I don't forgive you, I'm holding on to a debt that I expect you to pay. But you're living in my head rent free. You're walking around, but I'm carrying debt and I wonder why I'm heavy. And at any moment, whether you pay me back or not, I have the power to forgive and let this debt go. Whether you give me the apology, pay me back the money, make it right. I hope that happens. It should happen. But if it doesn't happen, the power to forgive is always my. I can drop this debt today and I don't have to do it. And what's helped me is I've taught about forgiveness in like schools and prisons and churches and stuff. It's like, I think that you can break down four parts of the forgiveness journey. Um, I think there's forgiveness, uh, there's justice, there's trust, and there's reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiveness is always on my end. I can let the debt go. Um, or if I've offended you, I can ask for forgiveness. Whether you give it to me or not, I can release my burden to pay because I've tried. Um, justice is you paying me back. You stole my five bucks, pay me back my five bucks. Right. Um, I hope that happens, but I can still forgive you if you don't trust is you stole five bucks. You pay me back my five bucks, but you're still a thief. So you don't get to come back in my house. I don't trust you still, but I forgive <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but if I see that you're no longer a thief over time and you earn my trust, maybe I do let you back in my house. Maybe we, maybe we start to hang out more and then we're on our way to reconciliation where we can restore the relationship or get it to where it is. Now you, where it could be, even better. Now we hope all four parts happen. That's the goal. But it doesn't have to for you to forgive. Um, I, I got to forgive my dad. I never got to reconcile with him because we didn't have the time. And uh, I shot a music video at my dad's grave. Uh, it's called Wish I Knew You. I haven't put it out yet. The song is out. Wish I Knew You. If, you, if you're struggling with this, go look it up. I hope it'll help you. Um, but I shot the video at my dad's grave. We're going to put it out sometime soon because we wanted to communicate that you don't have time to hold on to this debt. Um, so practically, I just try to think of offense and forgiveness as debt, and I can let it go at any time. Um, and what I hope that four-part framework does for somebody listening who has not just been offended or abandoned, but 
the unforgivable has happened, sexual abuse or something of that nature. How people think I have to trust in order to actually forgive, and you do not. You can forgive a person and not trust them. You can forgive a person and still seek justice. You can forgive somebody and still call the cops on them. But I, you know, you if you separate those things, you can be free. Let the debt go. Expect nothing from them if they're still the same person. Pursue justice if you can get it. Go for it. I'm not even against that. Uh, and not trust them because they're not healthy and you don't need to let them around you anymore. Or you can forgive them from a distance because you can't be around them because you're triggered. And you, you know what I mean? Um, those things are separate. So you can walk in forgiveness and still protect yourself and not be a doormat. And that and that all those things can happen at the same time. Um, so powerful. I love the 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 four parts of forgiveness. Um, mm, forgiveness, justice, trust, and reconciliation. Because I I I love the process, the beauty of the steps. Um, because I often find that people get so hung up on wanting the other person to pay for something that they will sabotage their current assignment because they are shackled to the bitterness, the debt, the 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 thing, the hurt. And I've been in this season probably for better part of a year. Um, really doing, uh, as you can imagine, coming out of the pandemic, our work around the intersection between um, trauma and race and social justice work, the intersection between the two mm-hmm. has exploded. Like, I, I can't keep up with the request for us to come in and talk about it. But right. one thing I shared is we don't I I don't have time to waste missing the opportunity of living fully in my assignment because of a pain that has me so armored up I yeah. can't release the creativity that's inside me mm-hmm. I can't do what God has called me to do I can't show up as love and light which is the second chance opportunity he gave after I wanted to take my own life. So mm-hmm. we don't have time. We don't have time. And I know you have such a message of around hope and a commitment to that word of hope. I'm, I wonder from your perspective, what role can hope actually play in our culture today? That's a great question. You, you know what you're doing out here. This is great. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I, I think some people think hope is this wishful thinking kind of thing. And it's a waste of time. Uh, and you can only hope in the things you know will happen and see. Um, I hope for reconciliation and world peace. I don't know if it's realistic to think that because people are still people in out here and life is still life. In, and, you know, we're not going to be perfect in this life. But when you hope for, when you have a hope that's transcendent, beyond your physical reality and beyond the brokenness of man and our sinfulness and all that stuff. When you know that better is coming, when you know that God has a plan, that he's given us free will, and that at a certain point, the reset button gets hit and it goes back to what it's supposed to be. Um, when you know that's coming, when you see Jesus say on earth as is in heaven, you know, and that's what you're supposed to fight for, whether you think you'll practically see it or not, you give your life to see it. And then you'll see it in pockets and you know that reality is coming. And and you hope for that and you hope and, and that so you fight against 
um, you fight against even uh, the the uh, pessimistic realism of this is what you know what I mean. Oh, it's not getting better. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't expect everybody to get this and figure it out. I'm, the world's not going to turn around and forgive uh, everybody, but I can I can make sure one person does it by sharing mm-hmm. my story. I can tell mm-hmm. somebody that were, you know, and you just, when you see somebody else get it, it's outside of you. You're like, oh man, Jesus was right. Cause I see on earth is in heaven right there. So your hope becomes very real, very practical. It comes from a transcendent reality right into your reality. And you see on earth is in heaven. So I think hope's important. Uh, you have to have hope. You have, what's the point of doing good? If you don't think good is going to do any good. Right. You know what I mean? You got to hope that good's going to do some good. Yeah. So, you know, and if it doesn't do, if it doesn't fix all the things, man, fix some of the stuff. Fix a thing. That's good enough. And you're going to inspire somebody else to do it. And then they're going to fix a thing that you didn't even touch. But that thing got fixed because you fixed your thing. And and you just keep hoping for better. And and when you walk that way and you just don't feel the pressure to fix everything and do everything and you just feel the pressure, I'm just going to do what I can do. And when I screw up, I'm going to dust myself off, stand up and try again and apologize. Keep moving. You know, you just, you just, you got to live from a place of hope. Because if you live from a place of there's nothing we can do. Well, now you're in nihilism, nihilism, however you pronounce it. And there's no point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those worldviews don't end well for anybody. And we've seen that time and time again. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you got to have hope. What else What else do we have? Oh, it, you hit on the nail on the head to a conversation I was having with a group here in Reading uh, a couple weeks ago as we were really wrestling with historical trauma and the the conversation of I have to believe in impacting my sphere of influence. Yeah. If every day I'm walk, waking up on assignment that the sphere of influence I have, I'm going to be obedient, do what God has called me to do, believe that God is going to open doors, create connections, have relationships, create avenues for love and light to show up in the place. I have to focus on my sphere of influence. And I think so oftentimes people are so worried about things that are so far out ahead of them that they become paralyzed in the right now, and then they do nothing. And then all the gifts, all the gifts that could be flowing out of you get stopped up. So I know you have a gift of music and um, a powerful message for the planet. So how does how does how does music? What drew you to music um, as a part of the work that you do? Yeah, thank you. I'd always been in music. It was a, you know, coping mechanism for me. Artists are speaking out of, you know, originally it was like, well, you love the art, the culture, you don't care what they're talking about, whether it's destructive or helpful. And you, um, you know, so I just loved music early on. And uh, especially after my dad didn't show up, I started to piece together the type of person I wanted to be from artists and and influencers, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, you know, so fast and I so fast forward, and it just became it was expression, right? Fast forward. Put music on the shelf, had the experience with my dad, forgave him, came to Christ. Life is changing. My wife drags me, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, drags me, kicking and screaming to a Christian hip-hop concert. I said, a Christian what? I'm good. <laughs> that sounds stupid. I don't want to go. Man. You can go just by yourself. Um, and, you know, she, she was my girl, so she won. And she dragged me. And uh, and and it changed my life. I had never seen... Um, 
people, I mean, like rapping, rapping, like, and reaching people my church never touched. Uh, but the culture was solid. The lyrics were crazy. And like, I'm mean, rapping, rapping, like, and then you got dudes in there with, with fronts on and pants sagging, hands up, praising Jesus. I was like, what is going on? I didn't know you could, this is church. So it changed <laughs> my life. And we went to IHOP that night, made a plan. I picked the pen back up and I never put it down again. And, uh, but I was mm. doing crisis time. So the message comes out through that. And there's a quote that we think Plato said, but nobody really knows. Uh, it says, music is the most dangerous weapon because it bypasses the senses and goes straight to the heart. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the, there's another quote from a Scottish politician named Andrew Fletcher. And he said, um, let me write the songs of a nation and it won't matter who writes their laws. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel both of those. You're right. I feel both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Music was my, um, is my safety plan. It is the, the place that, uh, God met me in, in restoring my mind and, and just my soul. So it is the place that I go to reconnect with who I am. So I, I completely feel both of those quotes. And I'm looking at, we have three minutes before our first break. And I think about how powerful music, like the, the, the culture of music. Um, I went to my first Christian hip hop experience. I actually spoke at Flavor Fest in October uh -huh. nice. um, in, in Tampa. In Oh, yes. that's cool. and, I might go there in November. I don't know. Oh, oh, so yes. Oh, you got to come down. So I had my first experience at Flavor Fest. I said, okay, I'm going to try and do this. And um, it was, it was, it just as you said, it was just an amazing moment to see young people loving Christ, using music, different forms of expression, dance, um, beatbox. Uh, just, just straight up rat. It was just amazing. And we're getting ready to go into break, but I'd like for you to kind of start unpacking how this can be a tool in prisons and schools to reach young people. Um, how are you working through and touching lives of, of those who are marginalized and pushed out to the fringes? For sure. You want me to start that now before the break? Yeah, let's yeah. let's start it now and then <laughs> I'll give you a cue Jordan, yeah. and then Jordan we'll come pick know. it up. Right. Yeah, Jordan, yeah. you know Jordan will let us Jordan, know. Jordan, he in chat telling us <laughs> what to do. Um, I just, you know, for me, music can just break down so many barriers. Um, and as long as the art and the content and the quality is good, people don't really care what you're talking about. That's why a lot of our playlists are full of destructive stuff that's not good for us, and we love it anyway. So if the art's good and the content's good, it's like a double whammy. Matter of fact, it's a conveyor belt for good for good messaging. So um, I, I just think that, you know, when you use that to communicate things and you also have to understand worldviews of who you're talking to. So when you talk about communicating to the marginalized or for the marginalized to a different community, how you say and what you say to connect that bridge matters. Because one audience hears a word and it triggers a thing, and the other audience hears a word and it triggers a thing. You got to know who you're talking to and, and what you're talking for. So think culture and worldview matters. Oh. So we have been having a conversation 
about all things can turn around and talking about a journey of forgiveness, of hope, of influence, of tapping into the heart place and recognizing the power that we in our message and in our assignment. And join this conversation with Legend. And we're going to take a short break. But before we do, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we had Reverend Desiree Guyton on a couple of weeks ago. And I want to let you all know that we are we have received the funding to have the Teen Trauma Healing Camp here in Kensington. We are taking trauma healing to the streets of Kensington. That will be the week of July 17th to the 21st. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who donated, who gave. We It is a thing. It is going to happen. Um, and we are bringing um, the story of healing and the story of Christ's love to the streets to the teens of Kensington. So mm. before we go on that break, I just needed to say thank you to all of you and stay tuned for this. After this break, we're going to come back and continue this conversation with legend. We'll be right back. Follow voice America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Hello and welcome back. We have been having a powerful conversation with Legend. He is a rapper, a speaker, uh, an educator. I tell you, all things creative just come from his soul and he has been speaking my language. He has been speaking my language. 
this entire episode. And I'm just so excited to continue to talk about how all things can turn around. And um, before we go into my next question, if there was anything else that as you think about how music is playing such a powerful role in your life in connection to culture, to messaging. Um, what are some of your continued thoughts that are that are pushing your purpose in this um, platform of creativity? Um, I don't know specifically. What are you asking with that one? So when when you think about what's driving you, like what's really pushing you as you're creating content. Um, as you're trying to reach others in our culture. Yeah. So um, I've always been asked, like, what's, who are you trying to reach? Right. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a hard question because, of course, the right answer is everyone. Like, no, that's, that's the wrong answer. But that's, you know what I mean? I've had a hard yeah. time. But when I think about my heartbeat, um, I, I think about a high school, the young adult, mm-hmm. 14 to 35-ish. Mm-hmm. is like, this is where my heartbeat is. Uh, typically young men who are fatherless or are now fathers and don't know what to do because they were fathers. Um, and I just think about perpetuating cycles. So I, my heart goes out to them, but that's not to the exclusion of women. I just happen to, you know, run towards men because that's what I come from. And then most, you know, the the issue typically is an overabundance of fathers not doing their job and leaving because they're hurt and all that. So I run there. Um, but that's not to the exclusion of the women in my life that are fatherless or hurt or their mothers hurt. Um, so it goes out to all the abandoned. There's a second, the second ring is abandoned and vulnerable. Uh, the reason safe house project started with, with mm-hmm. kids, I just think of kids who not necessarily fatherless, but they've been abused, taken advantage of. And my, my heart goes out to that because there wasn't a layer of protection there for you, whether it was somebody's fault or not in your home, something happened. So, so it, it keeps going out to the other circles. Right. Um, but, uh, that's, that's, that's what keeps me going. One is wrapping my arms around anybody that understands that and saying, I know where you're coming from. I know your pain. You can make it and you can forgive and you can, you know, all that. The second is when I hear messages in culture that perpetuate the brokenness that we claim we don't want, whether it's misogynistic, violent, uh, drug inducing rappers, or, um, you know, you're putting out a show on a streaming service and you claim that you care about uh, taking care of people and, and not, pushing a negative sexual agenda, but the show has teenagers sleeping around. So you're literally pushing child pornography. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's okay. Cause it's on a streaming service and they're not, you know what I mean? Like that's not okay. So that the hypocrisy and culture that we allow because of our cultural insensitivities, uh, it just, it infuriates me, but to the point to where like, Hey, I want to say something so that this changes, not so I can condemn you. I would rather you, you know, change and fix your message. So when I hear when I hear rappers um, bragging about how many black people they shot and then Black Lives Matter and in the street, and I'm like, I can't support you because you keep talking about, you know, you shot more people on your your album than I heard the cops do. So like, what are you doing out here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, the hypocrisy has to stop somewhere. So uh, that fuels a lot of the the um, the sharp content of my music mm-hmm. and and the people I want to reach fuels a lot of the heart content of my music. If that makes sense. It absolutely does. And there's so much in what you just said. I'm trying to decide which question do I want to ask next. 
Because to, to I, I completely get um, actually having a particular audience that you are drawn to because mm-hmm. it is so close to um, your message. And as God has restored us, we want to be able to to support and help others in their journey. And I'm curious if you have a perspective on, because you talked about um, fathers who are now fathers and who may not have been fathered. Mm-hmm. And what if you are someone watching that father who is struggling mm-hmm. to father because they were not fathered well, but you're watching them mm-hmm. and you're feeling helpless? Mm-hmm. What what could you say to the person watching the father who is now a, who was not fathered, but he's now struggling to father? Yeah, the questions are mega insightful. I, the, f- the only thing that comes to my mind is to do your best to be a conduit to introduce them to a father. Mm-hmm. What I mean. Mm-hmm. Whether that father is a peer who can say, hey, I get you. I'm right there with you. Here's what I'm doing this work in. Not trying to jump into business, but let's hang out, get some barbecue and just kind of kick it. And the more you trust me, maybe you'll glean some of the things that I'm doing and get that can help you with your heart's desire or address the unhealthy things or somebody that's a generation up that can say, let me show you how this is done, young man. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that my wife and I did early on, because we both come from different levels of, you know, missing that is uh, we were married and we're like, hey, we don't have a lot of forerunners or like a lot of places to lean on to see healthy marriage or like uh, some of the parenting stuff we want to get to. So we need to find people who are 25 years our senior to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're healthy. They're together. Their kids love them. You're following Jesus and everything's looking good. not to expect perfection, but just to see how they did it. So we made a lot of old friends yeah. and um, helped us out. <laughs> so. But I hear that guidance in creating community and relationship. Like, <laughs> who are you connecting to who can actually pour into the spaces yeah. that are wounded, that are um, that need uh, filling? So, yeah. And I think about there are so many um, who are, who have been impacted by not being fathered well, yeah. or not having a father figure at all right. in prison and in schools. And I know that those are two important audiences for you as well. What kind of impact are you hoping to have in those two communities specifically? Yeah, for sure. One more thing on the last question, and I want to go mm-hmm. to that is, you know, we if we're not intentional about seeking out um, those models, you know, we're tribal people. So we hang out in places where we get each other. So, you know, groups of friends, typically are all the fatherless hanging out. I get it. We're hanging out. You know what I mean? And, and you get so used to identifying with your trauma that you get offended sometimes when somebody pops up and they don't share that trauma um, mm. and kind of exclude them from the group, treat them, oh, well, you didn't go through what I went through. So you don't understand all that stuff. And maybe true. But um, you've got to be intentional with, A, let me find people who don't, who just don't, didn't go through this, haven't experienced it, and can show me a healthy side so I have something to esteem 
towards and lean towards. So I think you got to be intentional with that. Um, not because anybody's better than anybody else, but just because, hey, you've been here. You know, if I want to learn how to sell real estate, I'm going to get a mentor who knows how to sell houses. Same thing. Um, the impact I hope to have is, like you said, a lot of a lot of these kids in school, man, they're, they're coming from broken fatherless homes. Mm-hmm. Our educators are tired and a lot of number fathers doing their best. Um, and sometimes it's hard, you know what I mean? So I just, uh, and, and when you don't know who you are, or how important you are, you start to listen to the lying voices and culture. A lot of these lying rappers or lying influencers. Like I, li- I, I hear, um, you know, I've already talked about the music, but a lot of the influencers are given, you know, they give relationship advice. I'm hearing a lot of really bad relationship advice going viral. And I'm like, there is nobody with a healthy relationship. I know this following this guy's advice, but he's got a million likes on this post about how to mistreat women and, you know, make sure you get a hundred thousand dollars and sleep with this many people. Then you're ready for marriage. I'm like, who the crap that never worked for anybody, <laughs> anyone, but you know what I'm saying? And healthy. And mm-hmm. healthy, you know what I mean? Um, so, but like you follow these voices when you don't know what to do. So I'm like, how can I say, Hey, there's a different model out here that actually works. And I hope outside of the tsunami of bad wisdom and advice you're getting that you listen to this one that stands out, whether it's me or somebody who sounds like me, listen to something that's working. Um, and in, 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 in prison, man, it's typically, hey, you matter tremendously. I don't care what you did. Um, yeah, you know, I hope you made amends. I hope you whatever. But every time I go in there, I see a bunch of guys who are trying to get their soul and their life together. I've never bumped in anybody in prison. It was like, I'm glad I did what I did. And I don't really care what you think about it. I'm sure they're there, but I just haven't experienced it yet. Um, I see guys trying to say, most of the time it's thank you for coming because nobody else is. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my one of my dreams is to make the relationships in the DLC and a and, and bunch of other organizations and get some funding to where I can do a tour that is a fully funded, well, like super taken care of tour versus like something that's kind of slapped together. Sometimes you just got to mm-hmm. deal with that. But I want to take, I want to say, you're not going to get out of here. You're never going to see a show again. I want to bring a high quality show to you and say, you're worth, the, you're worth all this trouble. Yeah. Um, and if, and I really want to do that one day um, and be able to use it as a platform to perform and speak and hang out. I went to a prison recently and, and they, they, you know, somebody had said, Hey, don't, don't touch the prisoners, no contact or whatever. So I'm a, I'm a hug you handshake person. But I'm trying to like wave and and then it gets weird. He reached out the hand and I had to kind of like curve one guy and wave and felt so bad. Then another guy tried. I was like, I'm at least give you a fist bump. I gave a guy a fist bump. And then the next guy reached out and I was like, I can't do this. I just dapped him up. So I didn't him. And the whole room just like broke. And I'm just like, bro, if you can just get down here and just be with people, um, people, it matters. People just want to know that they matter. Um, so that's the impact I hope to have to let people know they matter. Wow, that people, because pe- I find that people um, truly just want to be seen. And yes, I think about how just you, God saw you at the beginning of that story, even when you were imprisoned by the unforgiveness and he sent someone on assignment and you may not at that moment realize that he was sending that person to say, I oh, see you. Deep. I see you (laughs) and literally unlock the prison that you were in. So now you are now going in 
to prisons, physical prisons, to say to people, I see you. Hey, the don't you make me shout this out, No, no, but I'm like, it just hit me. I was like, oh, 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 he is, oh, he is doing what God set him free to do because hey, he saw you. I, that That's a really insightful uh, pull together that you did. That, that's, you're, you're dope at this. That was really cool. <laughs> So, but you continue to kind of follow that theme of helping the unseen and the vulnerable feel seen. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about Safe House Project because human trafficking, those are the people who feel, who are missing, who aren't seen, we don't bring into the light to actually talk about. Can you tell us about Safe House Project, what mm-hmm. it is, what you're doing with it, and how we can support? Absolutely. So Safe House Project started in, in a trip to South Africa to support an orphan care center that my church works with and helps take care of. And uh, we went overseas and hung out and did some great work, did some racial reconciliation work, because while things were blowing up here, you know, Trayvon Martin and on, there was this this ripple effect in South Africa, who's only 25, 20 something years post apartheid. And they were like, well, wait, if they're not safe over there, what about us over here? And it was getting bad because of what we were doing over here. Um, so we did some work over there anyway. But uh, we're about to leave the orphan care center. And I'm like, man, this is beautiful. What else do y'all need? They said, we need a safe house. And I was like, what? Why? And she said, well, as our little girls start to develop, they become targeted by traffickers. And they have to walk home from school alone. It's an orphan care center, not an orphanage. They don't stay there. And and uh, sometimes, you know, the girls go missing and we don't see them. Anymore. And I just I just didn't have a framework for that. At the time, my little girl, you know, six, seven years old. And I'm like, wait, you mean this little six, seven year old girl I'm hugging right here? I could come back. She could be gone. And I just kind of, you know about it, but it didn't hit me until that mm-hmm. moment. So. I came back and I told my church, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what we got to do, but we got to get this house up. So uh, we launched the album called a Safe House um, by RMM, and uh, and my friend Christy jumped on board. Like I've been dreaming about fighting this since I was 16, and I saw the same thing in South America. What do I do? And she just started helping with PR, and then she started putting together 5K races, and I was like, let's do it. Don't make me run, but let's do it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and. And while we were close to getting the house up, she was like, hey, what what do we do to do this here in the States? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, she said, well, let's 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 figure it out. So we made Safe House Project a separate nonprofit entity. She stepped in as CEO because that's her calling. My friend Brittany stepped in as COO. Uh, and, and they've been running that here and they've been killing it mm-hmm. for years, advocating in, in politics and the White House, training the military and, and law enforcement. Uh, and airlines, and and we've built houses here in the states. We supported and funded houses to get started. We found kids that went missing and got them back home, working with FBI and law. Like it's just, it, I just never saw this coming from a rap album to build a house in South Africa. And uh, we got the house up in 2019. I went over there to dedicate those. And Safe House Project is always and forever going to fund those and keep them up here. And and we're just expanding the work here in the states. Ah, oh, it's just so rewarding, inspiring, and encouraging to hear how when we can operate from a place of forgiveness because we have been forgiven 
and we operate out of a place of hope, how that ripple effect can touch so many lives. And I just thank you for living on purpose, living on purpose, because it is just making such an impact. Um, and and I, I think about going into all of these different places and doing all of these um, different things. I'm sure everybody doesn't necessarily know the Lord. So how do you how do you walk that line in non-religious institutions to be able to um, continue to deliver a message of hope? No problem. Uh, you asked how to support Safe House, uh, safehouseproject.org, or just follow on all the things. And we have a free training called On Watch that you can take to understand what's going on and be empowered in your schools and your and wherever you are. Um, so that's up there. Um, so I, I, uh, my one of my one of my friends has a framework that he let me take and steal from him. And uh, so I say I have a plain glass version and a stained glass version. <laughs> I love that. Right? I love that. <laughs> so, yes. um, I'm not going to the school. Uh, it's it's and it, they're like, hey, no religion, like no problem. I'm like, hey, you matter because you're here. You're the only you we're ever going to have. Mm-hmm. Your life is infinitely valuable. You're you're one of a kind collector's edition. Don't waste it. Da da da. The same thing is when I go into a church and say, God made you in His image. You're the only one we're ever going to have. And 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 you know, He's got purpose, dignity, and value inherently built into your DNA. So like. So it just depends on where I go. And I just say the same thing with whatever lens will let me communicate it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and then, you know, if I'm in a non-religious place, then somebody's like, sometimes people are interested, like, where'd you get that from? I was like, you really want to know? You know, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, I try to, I try to go wherever I do go. One thing I learned, I've learned in communication and connecting with people is if I say the expected thing and you know where I'm going to go, you can tune me out, but nod your head. And I think you're getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got to I've got to shake it up and make it interesting and unique. Uh, so if if whether I'm in a non-religious or a religious setting, if I know the language that you're used to, how can I say this in a unique, fresh way to kind of make you go, huh? So now I've got your attention a little longer. Um, so I try to, you know, say things in religious settings and non-religious ways uh, just so that people aren't nodding their head. Like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. I know that language, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, and same thing anywhere I go. So mm-hmm. but stained glass, plain glass is the methodology. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I've not heard that before, but it is very much where kindred spirits is very much the the strategies when I'm going into. But I and and it is interesting that and it probably has happened to you as well in non-religious spaces, just showing up with biblical principles. And I don't have to say scripture and verse, but it's just the principle. Right. Believers in the audience will come up after and call me out like, you're a believer. You're a believer. I, I saw what you did there. <laughs> you picked it up. You picked it up. They, they get it. I was at a conference recently, a music conference, and and uh, my stuff was blatantly like, you know, whatever. But I had all these believers there and they're coming to path. I was like, oh, my God, your believer is so great. I'm, I'm one, too. And like trying to figure out how can I. It was, it was like these, these secret agents. And I was like, oh, great. Secret agents. <laughs> exactly. Spies. Right. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about what what's on the horizon for Legend. Like, what are you working on now? What can people be looking for and how can they follow you? Yeah, man. Uh, so I've got a bunch of new music coming. I just dropped a single Friday. It's called This One's For You. Putting the music video out tomorrow. So if you want to see that, uh, if you just follow me on all the socials, 
It's just Legend TV. Again, Nigel backwards, L-E-G-I-N-T-V, not E-N-D, L-E-G-I-N-T-V. And it's just Legend on all like your music platforms. Uh, And the website is legend.tv if you want to, you know, visit that, see some sermons, talk about the booking, da-da-da. Um, but but sing, single this just came out. Music videos dropping tomorrow. We shot that in Vegas. Super fun. Uh, and I'm working on a movie. Um, it's a documentary about my life called Legendary. And uh, we are working on funding, working on, uh, you know, getting hopefully some film festivals this fall. We're, we just fin- we're finishing filming it literally like this week and then hoping to get major streaming by the end of 2024. So if you want information about that, please reach out to me, legend at legend.tv, me or my my assistant, or I will get it. Um, and uh, we're looking for partners for that, relationships in the industry. And again, the goal is major streaming. Um, and because we want the movie to say everybody, everything can turn around. So. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Mm-hmm. I always ask um, every guest to to kind of think about a listener who is listening and they're not in a good place. Um, an artist who is listening and is is just like, you know what, this, I want to stay true to what I, I feel like God has called me to do, but it's just not happening. So I'm going to just give up on this thing. What do you say to that artist that, that's getting ready to give up? Yeah, man. Um, we if if you give up, we will be deprived of the unique thing God put in you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, you know, maybe there's seasons of life. Maybe there's some wisdom stuff. I've seen artists put the art in front of family and mess up their kids. So I'm not saying that, but there is a there is a way where perhaps there's a way to get out creatively what you have in a way that is honoring to the season, the time, the realities of where you are. And 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 not necessarily the only the way you see it in your head. If it's not that, give up, right? That maybe that maybe there's a different way. So seek out some wisdom, uh, some godly counsel of like, how can I do this well? Take the risk, but still be wise. Um, but man, don't don't give up. And even if the art is not out there and and bringing in loads of money and reaching tons of people. Maybe the art is therapeutic in this season, and it's it's part of your ten thousand hours to master what God has given you. Maybe it's are you faithful with the five fans you have, uh, and then God wants to open up five thousand, but He just wants to make sure you're going to care about the five as if they're five thousand. So maybe just you know go to prayer, go to some godly counsel, honor the season, and keep going. Keep going, honor the season. It. In every stage, in each part of this conversation, um, I just thank you for your transparency, your honesty, your openness, um, and continuing our journey. I, I told you, I told you listeners, this was going to continue to be a conversation that was going to fill your soul. And so... I want you to make sure you share this message with someone. There's so many golden nuggets that were shared in this message. It will benefit someone. Don't hold back from sharing it and offering a healing moment for someone. And we look forward to two more episodes in our healing health and wellness series. So same place, same time right here on the flip side. We'll see you next week. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.